Mac Power Users 121, the website show. Well, hello everyone. It's David Sparks. Along with me is my pal Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey, David. You know, I've got a cold this week. I don't know. Can you tell? So, um, uh, yeah, a little bit, but better uh, now than than at MacWorld, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll probably get one there, but that's a whole other story. But the、uh, in the meantime, I'm going to be hacking and wheezing a little bit during the show. But I'm I've got my cough button set up and I'm ready to go. So hopefully, I won't bother people too much with that. And I do kind of sound like Shadé, so that's that's a plus. Um, and、uh, and with us today is a friend of mine and Katie's,、uh, John Chandler,、uh, from byjohnchandler dot com. Hi, John. How are you doing? Good. How are you?、Uh, you know, I'm doing great, and it's really nice talking to you again. It's been too long, frankly, since you and I've sat down and and had a phone call.、Uh, but、yeah. the the thing, the reason I I want to have you on today, though, John, is you know we've been wanting to do a website show for some time. It's actually been one of our most requested shows. Yeah, and and I know just enough to be dangerous about some of these topics, and so I thought we'd bring in an expert. And John makes his living building websites for people and stores and companies. And、um, you know, we're not here to tell everybody exactly how to, you know, the nitty gritty of it, but kind of give you an idea what the best solutions are and what direction to start heading. And I could think of nobody better than John to kind of you know tell me when I'm just full of it. You know, so. So welcome, John. You're you're here to stopgap me and actually educate people. Is that okay? Well, well, that's great. I mean, one of the realities of making websites is everybody knows just enough to be dangerous, and everybody's kind of full of it because there's so much to know out there. So I'm glad to just be one notch behind you on the full of it meter. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like I got to say the the website business or maybe racket is another word for it is kind of a stinks of snake oil sales. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that. Market themselves, and、uh, I don't. You know, we're not going to probably even talk about search engine optimization because I think that's a that's a huge racket. But、um, but there's a lot of people who make websites, and and you get these strange emails from people who who just want to basically set up a WordPress template for you and charge you ten grand.、Um, yeah. And there's you know there's there's other guys like John who actually really understand it and can connect the pipes and and do a good job. So you do have to be careful when you go through this stuff. So if nothing else, hopefully the show will help people uh, be uh, wiser as they proceed with this stuff. Wait a minute, John. You you can't get me on page one of Google in twenty four hours. Oh, sure, sure I can. Because <laughs> there's a guy running around with a with a big wrap on his car that says he can. So well, you know, I'll tell you what. You give me a unique enough search term, and I can get you on page one. Okay. All right. <laughs> Maybe not in twenty four hours. Oh well. The,、um, so, before we get started,、okay. I, I, I have something. I'm going to call an audible. The,、uh, All right. You know, just the whole idea of publishing to the web before we get into the nitty gritty is a.、Um, I think it's amazing.、Um, I, I remember when I was in college, I studied、um, political philosophy. That was my thing, and I was really into the framing framers of the Constitution and the formation of the United States. And the thing that really got me was. Each one of these guys, and they all had a different opinion. They all had their own newspaper. You know, you know, Hamilton had a paper. Jefferson had a paper.、Um, you know, Adams had a, all these guys had their own newspaper, and so they were constantly pushing out these pamphlets and these ideas that they were pushing, and that was their way of reaching out to people. And I read this in the seventies、uh, and eighties. And I was really jealous of those guys in a way because I was thinking, 
wow, wouldn't it be amazing if I could publish my own thoughts? You know, whether it's about, mm. you know, whether it's about, you know, ridiculous Ewoks or whatever I wanted to talk about. And of course, at that time, you had ABC, you know, NBC, CBS. That was how you got news and information. And, and you know, and looking back through history, that stranglehold on information distribution was relatively new. I mean, if you, even, you know, back before, I, I would say it was the rise of television where the idea that, you know, you got your news from this box and, and those people were, were the only place you get the information from. Uh, existed. So it was kind of a unique circumstance. And, and it was very enlightening for me g- growing older and watching the internet arise and become this source of news and information for people where anybody could publish a paper, in essence, and put an opinion out there. And I think the world is a, a much better place now because we have this availability that anybody, anybody listening to this show can go home, sit at their Mac or even probably their iPad and within about 30 minutes, have their newspaper online and out for the world to see. So I, I don't want to lose sight of that as we go through this discussion, that this is really an amazing thing. Is that is that just too hippie? No. I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with what your age is. Um, but I know you have a couple years on me, maybe not many. But I certainly remember when you just had ABC, NBC, CBS, and... I still marvel at the fact that I can type something and hit submit and the whole world can see it because I got it on page one of Google within 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I think you also, the, the reverse of that is also true that just because you can do a thing and just because you can type up something and hit publish doesn't mean that you necessarily must do that thing. That there's a, <laughs> a, and, and I'm not so much, you know, you, you can find anything. It, it, Anybody can write up anything they want and, and put it on the, in the Internet. So I think we also, as a society and as journalism, quote unquote, needs to evolve, we also need to be more careful about these things as well in terms of how do we vet these things. And, and I'm not saying that we should in any way restrict what people can and can't post, uh, but just realizing that there are consequences to those actions and consequences to what you can and can't post and that – you need to make sure that that what you're posting is yours and that what you're posting is true and accurate and 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 all those other sorts of limitations that we probably shouldn't be getting uh, getting on in this show. Yeah, but that's that's kind of creepy. The idea that somebody could limit it. I, I think that the big filter of the internet is is the attention the of, of the readers. And you know, if you put junk up there, there aren't many people that are going to read it. And and also, I, I do want to separate the idea of journalism from creating a website or a blog because I think that's a common misconception that uh, you are putting on a journalist hat when you do this, and I don't believe that. I mean, I write a, a nerdy website that tells people how to print to PDF. I don't, I don't cover news really that much. I mean, occasionally, something will come up where I want to share it with people because they read me and they want to. They, I assume they would be interested in the same things I am. But I, I've never pretended to be a journalist. I don't go out and research stories. I write up stuff that I find interesting. And um, I, I, I wouldn't want you to not do one of these things because you're afraid that you have to be a journalist. You don't have to. You can do whatever you want with this stuff. But, um, okay, so I think we've, we've wasted enough time talking about those, those topics. Let's get to the nitty-gritty and uh, where I interrupted you to begin with, Katie. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, – 
our evolution into blogging and posting our thoughts and things onto websites. Because as we were sitting down to put together the outline for the show, we had a lot of trouble because how do we possibly cover everything out there? You know, you've got the big ones. You've got WordPress, you've got Squarespace, there's Tumblr. And then we realized, oh, well, we forgot this one, but not that one. And Blogler, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Um, and, and we're certainly not going to be able to cover all of them in a show like this. We'll, we'll try to hit some of the highlights. But I guess my introduction to blogging is I really started blogging before I knew that there was blogging. I started blogging back in 2001, and I started as part of a school project. Um, I, I was working on an internship on Capitol Hill, and as, as part of the requirements for this internship, I had to keep a daily journal. And I also wanted to have this way of keeping my close friends and family aware of what was going on and what I was doing. And I wanted to, I had some, you know, web space for, based on, you know, the university gave everybody a little bit of web space. And because of my major and because of some other things that I was involved in, I had a copy of Adobe Go Live and I'd take a basic HTML class. So I know j just enough about uh, web publishing to keep myself in trouble. So every night before I went to bed, I would sit down and I would create a new page on my website with the date and, you know, just type up some thoughts about the day. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, I didn't try to get publicity. I tried to be somewhat careful about the types of things that I was posting, although I'm sure I would have gotten myself into trouble by, you know, posting all kinds of things about would you believe what my roommate did today and she didn't do her dishes and that kind of thing. Um, but it was just a way for me to uh, to share with um, my family and to keep a, a record of, of what was going on. It was kind of a unique time in the world and, and where I was. And I guess nobody knew about the term blogging. There was no term blogging back then, but that's that's what I was doing. It certainly wasn't efficient. And had I had a platform like like WordPress or Tumblr or anything like that, which came around a few years later, oh my gosh, it would have just been the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I guess the, the concept of blogging has been around for a while. And then as these tools started to come out, we started migrating to other things. So. How about you, John? When did you get started in this business? Oh, man. Um, in terms of are we pointing it towards more personal sites and blogging? Well, just, uh, when did you start publishing to the Internet? My goodness. Probably I would say it was 1994, 1995. Um, when I, I mean, I had an original dial-up account and they gave web space with it. And uh, back in that time, I actually did youth ministry at a church and I wanted to make a website for our church. So, you know, we had this website that was based on my dial-up accounts domain and it had umlauts and slashes and forward slashes and backslashes. I don't know how anybody even found it, uh, but I just put it all together with HTML. I couldn't even tell you, I didn't remember far enough back to remember what I used you know, what probably used just, uh, you know, a text editor to type it up and learn how to FTP and upload it. And there it was. So yeah, going back to that, you know, then where I really got into it, to be honest, is I'm a huge Denver Broncos fan. And I don't really want to talk about this because depending on when this posts, uh, we know the Broncos lost in the playoffs. Um, just remember, Tim Tebow won you all a, a playoff yeah, game and Peyton did. did not. Yes, plenty of people are talking about that. Thank you, Katie. Uh, I'm about right. done now. No, <laughs> um, but I, you know, I because I was no longer living in Colorado where I grew up. I wanted to connect with Broncos fans, and so I started a Broncos uh, fan website that grew quite a bit. And that's really what kind of got me into it. I was kind of blogging news updates about the Broncos again before I knew it was blogging. So, 
Yeah, it seems like everybody's got that story where they, you know, puzzled together some HTML and and figured out a way somehow to get it on the internet and had that hallelujah moment. But for me, the um, the time when I really got serious about having a regular thing to the web is uh, the blogging term was already out, and for me, I think it was iWeb, and and I think that's an interesting progression. I think a lot of people originally started blogging not based on an online platform like what we're using a lot now, but instead a um, a, a computer-based platform, you know, like a software package. I mean, Microsoft had one that was, um, depending on who you talk to, pretty terrible. And and then Apple had iWeb for many years. And in fact, MaxSparky.com started out as an iWeb page because I just didn't want to fiddle with WordPress and all those other things. It was so easy. And and I think that's a good place to start because those are some options that are still available. And so let's start talking about Rapid Weaver and iWeb. And these are Mac specific software applications that exist. You can go on the shelf and actually you can't buy iWeb anymore. I don't know. Yeah, Rapid Weaver is still available. It's yeah. available either as a direct download from the developer or in the Mac App Store. And it's yeah. still regularly updated. It's a great yeah. program. And Rapid Weaver for was, a specific need. Yeah, and Rapid Weaver was always kind of considered iWeb Pro in a certain degree anyway. And so these applications are very Mac friendly apps where you've got a page and it's almost like creating a word processing document or a publishing document. You can drag an image on the screen, you can move things around. And at some point, you have everything set up the way you want it, and you press the publish button. And then you've got it connected to some web space somewhere, and Rapid Weaver will then you know, shoot all that data up to the Internet and create the website, in essence, that you just wrote up on your Mac. And that is a good solution, I think, for people getting started because it allows you to really have a lot of control over the way your website looks. It gives you the ability to... Um, you can do it without hiring anybody. Um, and the, the tools are pretty sophisticated. They've come a long way over the years. Um, and, uh, you know, you buy one software package and then you get it hooked up to the Internet and you're you're pretty good. Yeah, I've used RapidWeaver extensively. And Sandbox is another program that's that has the same concept of buying an application, a Sandvox. It's like Sandbox, but with a V instead of a B, um, where, where you buy a single application and it's template-based design. And there are communities that are built around uh, creating Rapid Weaver and Sandvox templates. And you can do everything from a blog page to a photo gallery page um, to a page with columns to um, a contact form page. I mean, there are just dozens and dozens of different page types and then probably hundreds, if if not even thousands by now, of templates based for these programs. You know, the, the first podcast I did before uh, you and I got to David at Kith or David – um, was based completely off Rapid Weaver. That's what what we use to create the the site for the podcast. I think we even use that to generate um, the RSS feeds that that ultimately we submitted to iTunes and did all of that. And you know, it, it produced a pretty good looking site. We we had a custom template that we paid some money for. the The biggest problem and where I finally kind of hit the ceiling with products like that is when you wanted to collaborate. Those those sites can make um, very pretty, uh, web easy websites for a single person or a single organization. But there's really the problem that I found with packages like that is there really was no out. Um, when the point in time where you got to where you needed to hand off that project to somebody else, they had to have Rapid Weaver or Sandbox. I mean, you could export to HTML, but maybe it wasn't the cleanest HTML that you got. Um, or they had to have that specific template file. And there was no collaboration. I mean, even though you could 
share the individual website file via Dropbox. There were other certain files that had to be in certain places in your application folder and or your library folder in order for them to all work. And it just got really kludgy when you tried to go beyond having one person edit and maintain the website, which meant one person always had to do all the work for editing and maintaining the website, which got tiresome. So I, I ran a Rapid Weaver site for many years, both for my Mac user group um, and for that prior podcast and was very happy with it, but found that when I hit that ceiling, um, there was really nowhere else to go. And then there really wasn't an easy way getting out. Exactly. So, and that's the thing, if you're going to put together like a personal website or maybe a little club that you created and run, uh, I think these are really good solutions. The The downside is if you ever decide to move on to a different platform, like one of the ones we're going to talk about, uh, you are going to have to recreate that entire website in that new platform. You're not going to be able to easily export and transfer things over. Like some of the other platforms we're going to talk about today, when I went from WordPress to Squarespace, I was able to import years and years worth of blog entries and pictures and, and links and things I'd done uh, very easily. Uh, whereas if I had everything in one of these uh, one of these software packages, I'm not sure it would have gone so well. What what happened when you moved from iWeb to WordPress when you made that conversion? I you know I just I just I um it was pretty early in the process. I had only been using iWeb maybe six months or so, and I just pulled a bunch of posts over. I did it manually. And, just you know, like frankly, a copy paste job. Yeah, and frankly, it came out so wonky. Uh, if you look at maxsparky.com, I don't think I've even got those original posts there anymore. I think I, at some point along the line, I just cut them out. Hmm. Yeah, so, you got to own it, David. You got to own your past. Yeah, I, it's but it was it wasn't that you know I was ashamed of it so much as it was just I couldn't find a, a way to make everything work over, and the pictures weren't linking, and it was going to take hours and hours to sort it all out. And I said, you know, none of this stuff was that good anyway. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think it's fair to say to kind of say the most simply, you know, and even on the high end, you know, you could add Dreamweaver from Adobe to this, although it can do a little bit more. But really what you're doing when you're using iWeb or Rapid Weaver is you have, for all intents and purposes, a WYSIWYG editor. And so you can create exactly what you want to see. But the website, really what's happening is the website is living on your your hard drive. And then when you hit publish, it just moves all of these static files from this website from your hard drive uh, up to the server so the whole world can see it. So, you know, the, the simple difference between what we're dealing with here is when you use one of these, you're creating a static a static code for a website and pushing it up. Whereas when you start talking about these others that we'll talk about here in a little bit, you're dealing more with a content management system, which is living, you know, in a database, it's living online, so that it gives you really the key, as, as you said it, Katie, is anybody from anywhere can typically jump in and edit it. Um, but you're also, because you're dealing with a database rather than static files, you just have a lot more dynamic interaction, you know, that it's available for you to do. Yeah, and, and that's another piece of this is the multi-platform and the ability to make adjustments and changes from anywhere. When you have one of these applications... Uh, it's installed on one of your Macs. And if you have two Macs, there's a good chance it doesn't matter. You only can work from the Mac that's running this app. Um, and you're certainly not going to be able to update it from your iPad or your iPhone or your iThingy, whatever it is you're carrying around <laughs> with you. Um, so, you know, and that's become, to me, a real limitation. I mean, when I go to Macworld, I like to post blog entries from my iPad. Or when I'm on the road and I see something funny, 
maybe I'll take a picture from it and just upload it to Max Barkey with my iPhone. And that's not going to happen when you get into one of these these boxes. And I think recognizing those limitations, you started to see all of these other services um, start to pop up, and, and maybe even before, but you started getting services like Blogger and Tumblr, and I know that there are, are dozens more. I'm, I'm, I'm specifically staying away from Squarespace and WordPress for now. But but all of these services started popping up where, hey, come over here, create a username, create a password, create an account, and, and we'll post your blog for you. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like, that's the next phase of this stuff. And, you know, a blogger is the one that always comes to my mind. That's the Google product where, you know, Google says, hey, you want a blog? We'll make a blog for you. And you go in, you push a couple buttons, and you're on the web. Um, what are the other big ones people were using back then? Um, uh, didn't – did Yah- I don't think Yahoo had a, a, a similar service. Did they, John? I don't think so. Not that I recall. I mean, you know, if you want to go before blogger, you can talk about GeoCities and – yeah, those kind of places, but not not a publishing service that Blogger really seems like they kind of led the way, at least to the to the masses with yeah. that. Yeah, and I know a lot of people that got started there. I mean, it's sure. it, it's interesting, and even like in my wife's circles where she's in the crafting circles, there's a lot of people that still do that stuff. They got started there; they're not going to switch. And I get that. There's a lot of resistance once you pick a platform, and I guess that's why the show's kind of important. You want to get the right one to begin with because it, it's really uh, daunting the idea of trying to move all this stuff. And and that's one of the concerns is that what happens if they shut down? Didn't GeoCity shut down? Can you still get a GeoCity? I, hope so. I think I think they're gone. <laughs> Um, so where, where is all of that stuff? Where's all that content? If, if you didn't move it and can you move it and can you get out, which is, um, you know, really why there was, there was some, um, I I think a a move towards let's come up with more of a standard and more of an interoperability between some of these systems. So we can at least shift some information around a little bit. And I think that's, that's kind of how some of these, these these interfaces to these programs work, you know, like if you if you use Mars Edit, it it can post to a lot of different sites because they all use the same basic standards. Or well, am I totally speaking out of turn? No, I think you're right. All right, so so I'm not a fan of Blogger, and I just I just don't think that's the way to go. And uh, I don't really have a lot of scientific. Uh, data to give you as a background for that. But I've, I fiddled with it in relation to some stuff my wife was involved with. I didn't think it was really a particularly good platform. And, you know, one of the themes of all this stuff is that I think the reason you make a blog or a website without going to a social media distribution method, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, is that, you know, you really own this stuff. I mean, the point of this is that it's your words and it's your thoughts and you don't want to make it part of anything of somebody else's system. And that's always a little bit of a reaction for me with respect to Google products that I feel like I'm, all I'm doing is feeding Google's ad machine. Um, but that's really not a very good reason. I guess that if you really want to use blogger, go for it. It's free and you can get started very quickly. All right. You guys well, have been... anything to criticize me on I, that? Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to pile on. Yeah. Well, we've we've been dancing around the big one for a while, so I, I think it's time we finally go there. I mean, that's really the reason we've got John on the show. But yeah. but maybe before we do, let's let's talk about our first sponsor, and that is Smile. 
And I want to talk about a tool that is invaluable to me, at least when I'm creating my various blog posts and sites, and that is Text Expander. Because what Text Expander allows you to do is to type uh, create snippets. So what you can do is you can program all of these snippets into Text Expander. And if you find yourself typing the same thing over and over and over again, all you have to do is just type just a few basic keystrokes and Text Expander will then expand those keystrokes into larger snippets of text. So let me give you an example of how I use Text Expander for my websites. Um, every single month I post a placeholder blog post on my local mugs meeting. So before I know what the meeting agenda is going to be, I post a placeholder that says, you know, the next meeting of the mug will be on such and such date, such and such time, you know, please stay tuned. The agenda will be posted soon. And so I have a text, it's it, my text expander abbreviation for that is mug post semicolon. And I've got a preformed snippet that has all of that boilerplate text with fill in fields because text expander has the ability to fill in, fill in various fields um, for the date uh, the month and the day. And then I go in once a year and I edit the date. So in fact, I just had to go back and do that for 2013. So after the last meeting, every m night I go in and I make a new post and, and type in mug post and text expander. And it posts up a new snippet for a new post saying, Hey, the next meeting is going to be, you know, on, on such and such date, check back soon, hit post. And that new post is up. I've also got a, a slew of HTML snippets there. In fact, there's a pack that you can download of HTML snippets um, for commonly used snippets that I want to use for embedding certain images or if I have links to particular images that I want to have in my post um, and common phrases that I use in various posts. All of those I've got pre-programmed into Text Expander. Um, David, how do you use Text Expander when you're blogging? I'm sure you do. I, I use a bunch of snippets for writing stuff to Max Sparky, and that's you know how I get by because uh, I, I have Markdown snippets that I've built. So when I'm creating posts, I write them all in Markdown. So I use a bunch of snippets to create like my reference links. Um, I use it to when I put advertiser uh, content in, and also for a lot of the back end stuff, just like. Um, uh, with respect to this show, for example, when we have a guest on, I have a snippet called MPU Guest, and it's a fill-in form. I put in the name of the guest. It gives your Skype name, my Skype name, um, how we do the recording, You know what type of software we like to use. Uh, I always request that they have a nice mic, if possible. So instead of typing that stuff over and over again, I just have a snippet. I mean, uh, I, I don't know how often I use Text Expander every day. Uh, there is actually a statistic I could track because the app tells you but it saves me a lot of time. I, I use it. I love it. Even just for simple things of, I don't have a standard um, signature on my emails because depending on who I'm emailing, I want to might want to add a different signature. And so I have a couple different signatures that are keystrokes in text expander that I can just quickly add a signature to the end of an email. I never have to type my email addresses because they're all abbreviated. If I'm going into something, it's, it, just the more little things you add, and then when you sit down at a computer where you don't have it, you realize you're lost because you're so used to all these quick little keystrokes you do all the time. Have you ever been sitting there writing longhand and want to <laughs> use a text expander? <laughs> See, I, I actually thought about it. I, I you know, they that. did have that text expander pen. It's only available on April 1st, I believe. Yeah, well, I need <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get you one next year. Um, 
You can find Text Expander. It's available at smilesoftware.com. It's available for the Mac for $34.95. They're up to version 4.0 now. Uh, and it's also available for iOS for $4.99. It syncs via Dropbox, so you can keep all of your snippets with you. Uh, you can find more information and a ton of other uses for Text Expander over at smilesoftware.com. And thanks to Smile for being the exclusive sponsor for this episode of Mac Power Users. And we'll be hearing more about them a little bit later in the show. Hey, let's. All right. Yeah, We've let's, been dancing around it, right? Yeah, let's talk about WordPress. The beast. Yeah. Okay. So WordPress is pretty much the go-to blogging platform. That's that's what the Mac Power user site is on right now. Um, my personal website, katiefloyd.me, was on it for a long time. I just recently switched, and, and we'll talk about all the reasons I switched. David, I know you, you blogged there for a long time. And John, this is really how you make your living is, is with WordPress sites. So mm-hmm. um, talk to us a little bit about um, why what makes WordPress advantageous. Uh, sure. Um uh, there's a lot that could be said. Uh, so let me, I, I gave myself a little bit of an outline to try to follow so I don't just um, barf a whole bunch of information all over the podcast here. Um, WordPress, a lot of it is, I mean, it's it's become one of the most prolific website engines, you know, going on the internet. I, I've seen statistics that say, you know, 15, 16, 17% of websites on the internet are running WordPress. Uh, it started out years ago as a, you know, a, a downloadable package that you could install on your server as a, a blogging platform. It was kind of taken off another one. Um, and then shortly after that, maybe a year or two after that, they started WordPress.com. And so I think that's probably important to start start with at the beginning is... That's true. You, there's a distinction. Sure. There's definitely a distinction. WordPress.com is a hosted WordPress service that you can start with for free. You know, they have upgrades so you can do custom domains, um, you know, custom templates and that kind of thing that you can pay for as you go. But really for a lot of people, if they say, and specifically, let's say we're talking about blogging here. If somebody says, I want to get started, I want to do some blogging. Oftentimes I will point them toward get started at wordpress.com because first of all, um, most of the time our ambitions um, are greater than our realities. And until we just, (laughs) until we see if we have the, energy, the time, the attention, the enthusiasm to sustain it, you know, WordPress.com is a great place to get started. You can quickly get up and running, you know, in a matter of minutes, it's free. You can start posting, you know, and you can move it into your rhythms. The beautiful thing about starting at WordPress.com is as you get more serious and you decide maybe later you want to move to WordPress.org, I mean, it's a very seamless move. So we often call it in the biz WordPress.com, which is this hosted service versus wordpress.org which would be a a self-hosted and so to use something uh to use wordpress.org what you have to do is you have to you know purchase server space um and then you have to get wordpress installed a lot of the control panels for the hosting companies these days you know just have a one-click wordpress option there's even some hosting hosting companies now like wp engine or pagely page.ly and i think there's a few others but they specialize in WordPress hosting. So when you purchase your hosting plan, you're already up and running with WordPress and you can just go from there. So I think that distinction is important. I, I don't, I think this is a helpful comparison between for this audience anyway, between wordpress.com and wordpress.org is wordpress.com maybe would be like, 
an iOS device and WordPress.org would be like an Android device. I'm even wincing as I say that, but uh, WordPress.com is, you're kind of blocked in more. I mean, you're, the benefit is they're making sure that you keep up to date, but they're also constraining you a little more to what you are and you are, are not able to do. Whereas once you get into WordPress.org, uh, you know, a self-hosted site, you can go crazy and do all sorts of extra customizations of the code and of the design and all that. Not, not the code of WordPress itself. You don't want to do that because then you're going to break things and you upgrade. But you, you just have a lot more um, nuanced control. So I think the way that that's a helpful comparison is for me, when I'm using my phone, when I'm using my iPad, you know, I've, I've dabbled with Android, but I love that I don't have to worry about most things. Uh, they just work and I can install things and things that I shouldn't install, I can't install. Um, when I'm doing websites, especially for people who need some advanced customizations, I like being able to do, I need to be able to do a whole lot more. And that's where WordPress is a, you know, a self-hosted works really well. Um, so, so let me just jump in there for a minute. So really sure. it's a question of, you know, how far you want to go down, you know, this hole. And I think that for a lot of people starting with WordPress.com is a really good way to go because for you sure. don't have to go out and find hosting. You don't have to figure out how to connect all those wires. Uh, you push a couple buttons and you get started making a website and they take care of everything else where you pay a fee for it once it gets over a certain size. Um, I believe, do they still have a free option at WordSpace.com? I mean, WordPress.com? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it starts free, and then you, you yeah. but, but you're probably going to want to add on some stuff. Yeah, so so at some point you may end up giving them a few bucks, but it's a way to go where you don't jump in quite as deep. Sure, yeah, and, and, I, and that's how I started Max Sparky. Started when I went to WordPress. I started at WordPress.com, and then eventually I moved it over to my own hosted WordPress site. Right. Yeah, I mean, just to give you an idea, uh, like a custom domain, it looks like cost. 13 bucks per domain per year. That's not horrible. You know, if you want to disable ads, that's 30 bucks per year. And then they've got, um, you know, premium packages where you can bundle more packages on there. So it can quickly get expensive if you start all of a sudden adding every single upgrade. Now, th this may be a silly question, John. I would assume if I decide I'm outgrowing WordPress.com, I can export all my data and move it over to a wordpress.org site that I self-host. Yeah, really easily. Okay. It's, yeah, it's a matter of, yeah. I mean, you go yeah. on the WordPress dashboard and you click export and you go to your new WordPress and you click import and it's pretty seamless. Right. Yeah. Now, the the benefits of, of wordpress.com, like you, you mentioned, is that, you know, it's, it's kind of like WordPress with training wheels, is that they, they keep you sandbox <laughs> in and some of the power users are not going to like the sandbox because sure. it restricts what you can do. But but you get put in that sandbox kind of as a way to keep you safe as well. And, and we've heard about WordPress exploits and WordPress sites getting hacked and things like that. With the WordPress.com site, is that less likely to happen because they're they're taking care of the back end and the updates and things like that? For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge benefit is they're going to um, they're going to limit you to what plugins you can run and all that kind of thing. But you, when you're running WordPress.com, you know you're up to date. You know you know your WordPress install is up to date, which is fantastic for security. You know your plugins are going to be up to date. All of that stuff is going to um, go along for you. 
So that's, and, and with WordPress, because WordPress is so popular, I mean, that's one of the knocks and that's one of the concerns. I think it's probably overblown, at least from my experience. But, you know, one of the concerns is WordPress, it gets hacked because it's so popular. And so especially for people who do not keep their WordPress up to date, you know, for, for my clients, I offer a maintenance package, you know, in addition, um, not, not a whole lot of money, but just to say, because I, I know I, I put a lot of work into somebody's website and they invest money in it, you know, to pay me. And so I say, you want to keep it up to date because if you don't, you know, if you don't and all they have to do is go in and press the updates button <laughs> um, and it, you know, works 99.8 percent of the time perfectly. But uh, it's important to do that, to check in once a once a week or something like that. So for for my clients where I see that they're just they're not going to be in there enough to do that or something like that, or they're still cautious. I say, I'll, you know, I'll take care of that for them because it's, it's important to do, but when it's kept up to date, um, it, it just, it's not an issue it, or it hasn't been an issue for me. I'm sure maybe it has been for some, but it's important to keep it up to date. Yeah. So now we're in the space of wordspace.org and people hosting their own websites and mm-hmm. tell us just a little bit about what's involved with that. So, you know, what do you need? It's, so you're not paying 30 bucks a year or whatever to WordPress uh, instead, you're going to host your own installation of WordPress. So what are the pieces you need to do that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's there's multiple pieces, I would say, to get started. You know, obviously, you have to have a server to host it on. And so, you know, anywhere from one of these big shared, you know, hosting companies that they might host 100 websites on the same server. Um, a lot of people start with GoDaddy, and I wince for many reasons about that. And I I. I'm thinking about instituting a, I won't work on your website if it's on GoDaddy rule. Um, and I don't, I suppose I shouldn't start straying too far into this kind of thing, <laughs> but, um, but that, that level, you know, some other ones might be like HostGator, Bluehost are websites that offer that same kind of hosting, which is, you know, anywhere from five to 10 bucks a month. It's not gonna, it's not going to kill your wallet, you know, so you've got to get the hosting. Let, let me jump in there and help you a little bit because regardless of, of which host it is, I, I will tell you that I have found not all hosts are created equal. No. I've, I have had a couple of different WordPress sites that have been hosted with different hosts, and they've all behaved very differently with with upgrades. Um, one host that, that I hosted my personal website on, the reason I ultimately switched away from WordPress, and I'm not so much convinced that it was a WordPress problem. I know it was a host problem. It just terrified me so much of it happening again. Um, was it was a host issue where the host made a change. It was their database issue. All of a sudden, my my site got completely screwed up. And the support that I got from the host and getting it resolved was was miserable. And I just said, I don't ever, ever, ever want to do this again. And so there was an issue with that particular host. Mm -hmm. Now, another host that I host another website on, I can tell you with, uh, you know, a particular hug plugin on this particular host site, Ever, you know, I have to be careful when I update it and when I don't because it behaves differently despite being configured exactly the same on this host versus this host. And the mm-hmm. only thing I've come to notice differently is, you know, it's got to be something with the way that the hosts have the, the servers configured. So, uh, you know, I think not all hosts are created the same in terms yeah. of how, how they've got things managed on their end. And, and you can run into to wonkiness. So are you better, I mean, I don't know if you've got a preferred host to work with, but are you better going with a host who maybe advertises, we have WordPress, one-click install, we we support WordPress, this is what we do? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even even hosting companies that have one-click install, some of them are really friendly towards WordPress because they see the 
<laughs> they see the benefit of that user base. And I, I still run into some, you know, from time to time where if something's wrong, they just want to point the finger at WordPress, you know, and, uh, you know, I've had a few interactions with tech support on a website or two here or there, which, you know, their response is, well, that's a issue with WordPress. And I know enough to know that it's not solely WordPress that we're dealing with. So, well, well, you know, going back to the subject of WordPress upgrades, I think you make a really good point. If you are going to use WordPress and you are going to do your own install of it, you have got to make sure it's up to date and it's not yeah. hard. I mean, I remember when I used to word, use WordPress and the, the, um, the update process was harrowing because mm-hmm. it, you had to do a backup and you had to do, there was a whole lot involved with doing an upgrade that now you just push one button and it happens. Uh, but so it's a lot easier than it used to be, but sure. it's, it's absolutely essential because, uh, because of its open nature and because of the fact that it's out there on so many websites, it is a target for people who want to hack websites because, you know, just like uh, the problem Microsoft experiences with windows when, so many people are running Windows 98 computers out there, or Windows, you know, whatever. Uh, they're going to write viruses for those computers because they're there. And WordPress installations are there, so it's a big, fat target. Yeah. And, and then the other piece of that is the the plugins. Because one of the things that makes WordPress really great is once you install it, then there's all these developers out there writing little plugins that do all kinds of awesome things. You know, you can make a plug-in to put a tag cloud in the side, or you can make a plug-in to send an email out to all your, your readers every time you have a new post, or there's just there's a whole host of things you can do with this thing. It seems like it's almost infinitely customizable with these plugins. Yeah. Uh, but the problem that I run into is that you start adding the plugins, and then for one reason or another, a plugin might break the site somehow. Now, is that still a big problem? Because I have to admit, I haven't been on WordPress for a couple of years now. Yeah, and uh, it's not the same problem it had been in the past. And, you know, uh, there there's enough mainstream plugins out there that you don't have to go too far to find some recommendations for, I need a form plugin, which one should I use? One of the things that also really helped a few years ago is, you know, WordPress started a, a repository of both themes and plugins that are vetted pretty heavily. Uh, I still have run into an issue, you know, one or two times, but, you know, if you're downloading plugins especially from that repository, you're in pretty good shape because it's going to automatically recognize when there's updates pushed out for those. You know, these are all hosted on wordpress.org and you can access them from your dashboard, you know, searching for plugins. So that, that's that gone a long ways too. Yeah, that, that was a significant change because now, you know, when I load up a site, even on my little admin bar along the top, there's a little icon. If there's updates available, there's a little, it almost looks like a sync icon that, you know, it might have the number three or might have the number six or hopefully has a number zero that says you have this many updates available. And I click on that and it takes me a page and it might show me, you know, WordPress core is, has an update available and I just hit install uh, or, you know, it'll show me what plugins have updates available. So it's just gotten easier and easier both to find reliable plugins and to keep all of that up to date. Yeah. So, you know, I can only look at these things from my vantage point. You know, I don't run a big company. Um, I don't like one of the advantages of WordPress is that, uh, you can incorporate e-commerce into it very easily. Um, and I know that there's a lot of stores and companies that use e-commerce with a WordPress based site. Is that a fair statement? I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, and that's, you know, so far we've really only talked about WordPress from a perspective of, um, blogging, you know, or, or somebody making a personal site, but that's where, that's where it's really changed in the last few years is 
just how how much can scale in terms of functionality because it really you can run web apps on WordPress now. You know, I, I've created a website for a nonprofit that you know sponsors uh, or or offers sponsorships for orphans or at risk children in third world countries, and you know it's very easy you know to code up this WordPress site to display profiles of each of these children and let somebody click through and sponsor a, a child and that kind of thing. Cause it's a, it's running on a database. So now we have a database of these children or I'm working on a website right now for a local company here in Austin that offers uh, test preparation courses like SAT, ACT. And so I'm helping them put together, it's going to be a database of all of their courses uh, running across probably 10 different locations. And so, um, you know, it's, from the front end, it's they've been doing their website in Dreamweaver and just having to create new pages every time they do a new class or anything. So now they're going to be able to, in the back end, you know, say this class is happening at these dates. They can connect it to this location. So from the front end, when somebody visits the website, they can look at location and see all the classes. They can look at a class and see what locations it's offered. This is where, you know, we talked earlier about static versus dynamic. And so this is this is the capabilities that WordPress can do now that it's become so much more than so much more than blogging software that you can run a full featured website and do all of these things with it. Yeah. And, you know, and beyond that, you know, what we described earlier, the, the ability to have multi multiple users updating a site that can have different levels and different roles, whether they're only members who can view content all the way up to administrators, uh, people, most people are familiar with WordPress already, so they have the advantage when they log into the back end of a website for the first time. You know, it typically looks familiar for them, even if they've just had a WordPress.com site. Now, now John, um, so it, it's really scalable is, you know, it, it's that advantage of having <laughs> Did I Word, cover that? Yeah. <laughs> WordPress. You know, you can, you can do a lot with it. Sure. Um, the other question I have is, what is it like in terms of its iOS support? Because it used to be dreadful. I haven't, I haven't used it for a while, to be honest. Uh, it's it's. It's improved. Um, it's what well, I should say. It's improved a lot. You know that it's still. I, I think all of the WordPress iOS apps are totally created by people who are volunteers. That might have changed, but up until not too long ago, that was the case. But you know, really, just recently, I've discovered that it's it's actually useful to be able to do it. That you know, the one shortcoming I would say that I still don't like about the WordPress iOS apps is it's really not easy to place images in line. It's like when you add an image, you add it above or below your content. But other than that, you know, it's, it's really useful. You can manage and, you know, approve and track comments. Um, you can edit posts, you can create posts. So it's, it's really pretty useful for most things, unless you're doing some advanced layout within your posts of wanting to be able to place images here and that kind of thing. It, it seems to me that, you know, WordPress is a real option for people. And, um, I'm going to talk about why I left it in a minute, but uh, I and think, I'll get defensive. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> no, that's I'm okay. kidding. That's, I that's how I had you here because <laughs> I didn't want this to be just a pile on WordPress show because I think there are real solutions for it. Um, um, my concern with it, as as we've kind of covered these issues already, is that it seemed like I spent a lot of time managing it and you know updating it, and I was always panicked that I would not have the most recent update and. A good friend of mine that runs a website that a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. Um, and a really smart techie guy. Got his WordPress site hacked, and he wasn't even aware of it, that they had this embedded code in there that was watching a lot of things going on. Hmm. And I just decided, you know, 
I don't want to be a website guy. I want to be a guy who writes about nerdy Apple stuff. And, and I said, I started looking for solutions that were more self-contained. I kind of was looking for the walled garden, frankly, you know, I wanted to be something that I knew was controlled and that's what kind of led me over to Squarespace. And that was a couple of years ago now. And, um, I guess this is probably a good point to transition into that. Um, do you want to, um, Lux, let's just talk about Squarespace right now. So, well, so but I, maybe before we do, what, is this probably a good take, uh, good point to take a second sponsor break? Well, we could do that. We could do that. Yeah. So, uh, so our, you know, we've got this exclusive sponsor today. It's Smile Software, a company that we know and love. And another product they make that that I really love is PDF Pin. And PDF Pin has really, to me upped its game in the last year. And that's because Smile is the only company that's making a, you know, a high quality PDF application for all the platforms that I use every day. They've got one on the Mac, they've got one on the iPhone, and they've got one on the iPad. And they take advantage of that uh, with this whole iCloud sync thing. So when I open a PDF at work and, you know, I'm always opening PDFs. I'm a lawyer. That's what we do, you know. So I open it and I put it in the iCloud and the thing is just everywhere. So I can be sitting in my office working on my Mac on a PDF and then it's in iCloud. So then the client shows up. I go into the conference room and bring my iPad. I put it up on the screen. I open up PDF pin. It's already there. And then I go eat a taco and the client calls me after the meeting and says, hey, well, what was that thing about this and that and that? And I open up my phone guess what? PDFs right there. So I can go find whatever I need. And it's really fantastic. It's like magic. I love this uh, ability to have these, these PDFs everywhere at once. Now, in addition to that, it, it's really great PDF software. You can go and change text in it. You can highlight, you can annotate, you can really do, you know, uh, you can really black out text in, it in a way that is not going to be seen by others. Um, they've got all the features that you need to manage PDFs. But they're also on every platform, and that's what really makes it fantastic. Yeah. A long time ago, I set PDF Pen as my default PDF reader on the Mac, and I have not gone back. And it has just – now that I'm using a Mac at the office, all of my colleagues are just in awe of the types of things that I can do. When I open up a PDF, we've got electronic filing now, so all of our documents are in PDF anyway, which is wonderful. So I can open it up. I've – you know, I love that little – or bong or that noise that that PDF pen makes when it OCRs text. Um, So I can highlight text out of that. I can rearrange pages if I only need exhibits or if I need to pull something out. I can pull those pages out of the PDFs. Um, Or if I've already PDFed something and we find a quick typo, we can go back in and we can correct uh, correct it because we can annotate the PDFs. And as David mentioned, one of the features that I use most often is that you can redact PDFs because we have an obligation now to redact certain information in our documents. And it's not just redaction in the form of drawing a little black box over something. Uh, it's redaction in terms of that information is actually erased. One of the features that I use most often is the find and redact feature so that if I know I'm constantly looking for the same bank account number or the same social security number, I can use the find and redact feature to look for specific numbers or specific words so that I know that every instance that that number or series of numbers appears in the PDF, it's going to be redacted so I don't get myself in trouble um, for you know missing an instance of something and redacting it. So PDF Pen, you know, as David already mentioned with the iCloud and Dropbox sync features, because you use different 
uh, storage mechanisms for different types of documents means that you always have your PDFs everywhere, no matter uh, what the platform. Um, and and you always have PDF Pen everywhere. So they've got PDF Pen for Mac. The basic version is fifty nine ninety nine. Uh, PDF Pen Pro is ninety nine dollars. And then they've got PDF Pen for iPad and PDF Pen for iPhone, which are both available in the App Store. And uh, we will be, I guess we should mention, at the Smile Software booth, I think on Saturday? Yeah, Saturday, uh, February 2, uh-huh. at 3 p.m. That's so right. we're going to be hanging out there, uh, and we'll talk about movies or PDF Pen or Text Expander or whatever you want to talk about. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's at the end of Backworld, really. It's, it's 3 o'clock. People are starting to... Uh, think about tearing down their booths and everything. So it's actually a lot of fun being there kind of at the end. So if you're at Macworld on Saturday, please come by and say hello to us. Yep. We'll be there. Looking forward to it. So um, thanks to smile for their exclusive sponsorship of Mac power users for the show. Hey, and one other thing, I just released two big screencasts, one on PDF pin for iPhone and one on PDF pin for iPad. I'm going to put the links in. And if you have any question about those things, uh, each one is like 45 minutes or something. So you are going to, number one, be sick of the sound of my voice. And number two, know a lot more about PDF pin when you're done. So go check it out. Can I just tag on? I'm not being, I'm not sponsored by Smile. Um, no, I'll, just, I'll just say great people. I, I don't know all of them. They I've interacted cool with people. a few of them, but I know Gene. You know, I've had a chance to sit down with Gene for coffee. And that's I, I, one of the things I love about the independent developer community around the Mac is there's just a lot of great people who are passionate about making great products and they really care about how their customers are using it. And so that's, that just oozes out of smile to me. Yeah. And you know, we're off the ad spot now, but just telling everybody, you know, Gene was on our show and talked about app camp for girls Yeah, and I'm going to put a link in people. That thing is moving forward. It's getting momentum. I'm hearing things from Gene and, uh, so if anybody's interested in supporting App Camp for Girls, check it out. We'll probably have Jean on again when they get closer to making more announcements. But uh, I'm very excited that, that she's making this happen. So um, let's continue. Uh, so, John, I, and I'm not, I know, you know, WordPress is your thing. It's a lot of people's <laughs> thing. Um, but, you know, I, I reached a point where I said, what am I doing with the Internet? You know, I'm writing a nerdy website. You know, and it's got pretty good traffic, but it's not, you know, daring fireball. Right. So uh, I don't need there. And and I'm not going to be selling things on the site. And, you know, what I wanted was a website that would more or less manage itself and had good iOS support. So I could post from the phone or the uh, the iPad and something where I just didn't want to fiddle with it anymore. And so I was looking to find myself, put myself in a sandbox and I looked around and I ended up with Squarespace. And uh, I've been very happy with that move. And the reason is because Squarespace is, it's like Apple. It's something where the hosting is run by the same company that makes the software. And it's not an open thing where people can get in and hack it as easily. In fact, I'm not aware that anybody's ever been able to hack Squarespace because it's really kind of closed in to their system. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not aware of it. I mean, um, I, I, I joked earlier about, and, and I'll get defensive when you talk about moving yeah. away. But no, I, I think it's a, uh, and again, this isn't an ad spot, right? I, this is no, what no, you no, use. Ad, but no, this, this isn't an ad it's spot. A, but but I think we should disclose that um, Squarespace did recently start sponsoring Mac Power users. And this show was well in the works before we even knew that the right. uh, 
the Squarespace sponsorship was coming. They sponsored their first show last week, and uh, the show was already planned and in the works. So I do want to disclose that Squarespace um, is is a sponsor. But uh, you know, I, I, we're gonna we're gonna talk open and honest about the pros and cons of of Squarespace, WordPress, and, and other platforms. So so John, please please feel free. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to censor yourself. No, that's why I just wanted to say that. But it's yeah. uh, it, what I think you nailed it earlier is if. And it's not just that you should have a professional overseeing your site if you're running WordPress. I, I don't think you necessarily need that. But I think you said this well, David, which is you don't, in your case, you just want to be able to make sure that your content is well taken care of and easy to maintain. And for a lot of people, you know, this goes back to the iOS versus Android analogy. You just, you want it to work and you don't want to worry about anything else. And in a case like that, I think it, I think it works great, you know, and they even have some... Uh, extra features. I've been digging into it a little bit, you know, to prepare for this show where it's, you can do more than just blog posts and pages. You can create collections for portfolios and that kind of thing. So I think it makes a lot of sense for somebody in your situation in a lot of situations. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of the big things I liked about it. I know there's a plugin now for this in WordPress is I write everything in Markdown. I don't want to fiddle with converting Markdown to HTML anymore. I decided. So I write it in Markdown. I paste it in Squarespace and it posts and everything works. Um, you know, the um, the new Squarespace 6 is really remarkable in the sense that adding content is they use this theory of blocks where and someone as dumb as I can figure this out. You press the plus button and it says, do you want to add a block with an embed link to YouTube or do you want to add a picture or do you want to add markdown or whatever? And there's there's a lot of blocks, you know, so you pick whatever one is appropriate and you just start working in it. So it, in terms of content creation, I find it easier. Uh, there are no, you know, what I would use the term plugins like we've talked about in terms of WordPress. There's nothing I need to make sure updates to work with everything else because it's all controlled by this one company. And um, and the fact is they do the hosting too. So uh, that's the big advantage. I'm paying a little bit more. When I was doing my own space with WordPress, I was paying $10 a month. And now I pay, um, I guess I pay 15 a month. Um, but the uh, it's... Um, to me, it was completely worth it. And and I just like the way everything works together. So uh, I, I realized they're a sponsor of the show. Frankly, that was a surprise to me. I didn't know that that was going to happen. But I've been paying them for years. In fact, I'm still paying them. It's not like we're getting free space or anything. Um, I just think that uh, Squarespace is a really good solution for my needs. And that's obviously my perspective on this stuff. Now, if I was going to make a site that was going to be you know, selling computers and doing other things, I probably would be looking at something more robust. But for MaxSparky.com, uh, I couldn't be happier than, than using Squarespace. Um, and that's kind of my perspective on it. How's the iOS app? It's great. It's great. However, there was a problem. When they switched to Squarespace 6, the iOS app stopped working for anybody who upgraded to the new website. And then they eventually got that sorted out, which is great because I'm going to be at Macworld at the end of the month. And I definitely want to be able to, to post blogs uh, quickly from my iOS apps. But yeah, it, it's really nice. It's it's very seamless. You can take a picture with your phone and drop it into a thing. You can write in Markdown. You can see your existing posts. You can edit existing posts. Like sometimes I'll be out and I'll have misspelled a word. You know, I've done something wrong. You know, some kind of grammatical snafu, and it's obvious. And then somebody will drop me a note, and I'll be able to fix it really quick. So I always like that. Well, I just moved to Squarespace about a month ago. So I'm I'm not as long to it as David was, and I didn't get hacked or anything like that on WordPress. 
But I had a, a really bizarre issue where my hosting company, and, and again, I think this is probably more of a host company than a host issue than a WordPress issue. You know, my host company sent me this thing saying I need to update to MySQL, you know, I don't know, whatever I was on to whatever the current version is. And it was no big deal. All I needed to do is go into my control panel, check this box, make sure that everything worked with my site and everything would be fine. So I did that like on a Sunday morning. Everything was fine. No problem. And then Sunday night, this was right before Christmas, I'm, I'm actually decorating my Christmas tree. And I get, a, I get a, a, a message from a friend of mine saying, hey, did you know your site's down? It says database error. No, I, I didn't know that. So I go check it out. And yeah, sure enough, my site's down. And I, you know, consider myself to be a, a pretty techie person. I, I know probably just enough about databases and the WordPress backend to get myself in trouble. I mean, I, I can fiddle around in it, but I really honestly have no idea how this stuff works. And I finally came to the conclusion that I had to, you know, I couldn't even log in. I, I could FTP and see that my stuff was there. You know, I called my tech support for my hosting company. It was in India. We ended up spending two hours on the phone. And, you know, with that two hours, we figured out it was a database issue. Really? Because I hadn't figured that out based on the original error. And uh, it was just clear that the person on the other end was was blindly, you know, following the steps in an instruction book. I ultimately got the issue resolved. He kind of set me on the right track based on, you know, the area of the site maintenance that we were. But I mean, it was just this miserable experience on a night when I should have been, you know, listening to Christmas music, drinking hot chocolate and decorating my Christmas tree, because that's how the night started. And it was just this two and a half hours of absolute misery. And I didn't sleep well that night because I realized this could happen again. And I have absolutely no control. And I have no understanding of how this works. And I couldn't get myself out of this bind again if I had to. I thought I had a backup. You know, I've got some plugin that's supposed to be backing me up, but I really didn't know how to restore it. And I came to the conclusion that night that I either, A, have to figure out, I have to learn more about this. I have to really learn how WordPress works because I don't ever, ever, ever want to be in the position again where I have to rely on some guy who's following these steps in an instruction booklet and doesn't have a clue or B, I have to go on to a solution that's going to completely manage it for me because I don't like this helpless feeling. And and that's that's kind of where I threw my hands up. And I, and I don't know. That's, that's why I moved over to Squarespace. And the, the transition has been good. It hasn't been flawless. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm missing on Squarespace, I'll be honest. But it's it's been good enough that I think I'll probably stick with it. But I guess that kind of brings me to my question to you, John, is um, – what does somebody need to know when they put up a WordPress site to keep that thing from happening? Because weird things can happen out of your control. What what can keep you from feeling that feeling of helplessness when something bad happens other than, you know, hire you to manage it for them? <laughs> Which I gladly to, would have paid you a couple hundred bucks that night to fix it. <laughs> um, boy, that's, I mean, that's not a simple question. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think it benefits to either have a reliable host who, you know, has great support in an instance like that or just have some degree of expertise yourself. If really and I'll just keep going back to it. I, I do build WordPress sites and I make income of that and I'm passionate about it. But I, I really do think for a lot of people, it makes sense to go with WordPress.com or to go with Squarespace where you're not going to have to be anxious about the extra 
expertise you might have to have. Because when you're running a self-hosted site, you know, tech support is only going to help you so much, but there are times where you're going to need some technical expertise if there's, if you're running some custom code on there that breaks and you need to know how to fix it. Or if something happens with your database and, you know, do you know how to repair tables and that kind of thing in your database? So, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it's required to have PHP and MySQL expertise to be able to run a WordPress site, but if you do want to go that route, you either need to have enough comfort and a working knowledge to want to be able to engage with those things, or you need to have a need for enough functionality beyond what some of these other services offered to, to really go into that, I would say. Yeah. And I think we've kind of, the horse is dead on this thing, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you can, I think you can get into WordPress cheaper than a solution like Squarespace. And you can have more customization and control. And uh, with the with a, a solution like Squarespace, you're probably going to pay a little bit more money. Uh, you have a little bit less control, like Katie's talking about, the ability to do some of the like. There aren't a million plugins for Squarespace because it defeats the purpose of the whole idea. Um, and for a blog like Max Sparky, I think Squarespace is a no brainer. Um, maybe for something different, it's not. But and that's why I think. We just wanted to get the ideas out there for the listeners to decide. I can tell you that I have no regrets coming over to Squarespace. I've been very happy with them, and and I would have said that long before I knew they were a sponsor for the show. I've been paying them, like I said, for years, and I I just wanted to to stay in existence and keep doing it because ever since I I went over there, I have got out of the website management business and just been able to write. That, that's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were going to break it down, I would say this. Um, yeah. I, I think what Katie describes is, is somewhat rare, and I'm sure it happens. I think, you know, I think the benefit if you're weighing between Square, Squarespace or a self-hosted WordPress is if you see your site needing to grow in functionality, um, you know, in terms of more database interaction kind of things versus mostly managing content, you should probably consider WordPress.org. If you know, one of the benefits of WordPress.org is there's just so many pre-designed themes that are out there and available um, that it's really easy to find one you like. Some of them are constructed really well. Some of them are not. So it's, you know, it's it's good to, to explore those and check reviews as much as you can. Um, but the, I think those are the things to really value. And, and like you said, you can get into WordPress.org a little cheaper. You know, you can get a $5 hosting plan that's going to, that's really going to cover your site until you grow to a certain degree. Yeah. Well, and that makes a lot of difference for people who are hosting multiple sites. Sure, yeah. All right. Hey, let's move on a little bit because um, there's some other blogging platforms or, I guess, website platforms that we haven't talked about. And the big one is Tumblr. I mean, Tumblr is, is a thing now. So T-U-M-B-L-R is a is, – I don't know what they call themselves. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's a blogging platform that is bigger than something like Twitter but smaller than something like Squarespace or WordPress. And uh, it's, it's a simple blogging platform, I guess, is the way to talk about it. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are doing their writing on Tumblr. Uh, Merlin Mann, who comes on our show once a year, does a lot of stuff on Tumblr. And, I mean, Marco Arment had a big thing to do with that. I mean, he was one of the technical guys that really got that thing off the ground. Um, do either one of you do any blogging on Tumblr? No, I've dabbled. Yeah, I had a Tumblr site, but I never really did anything with it. 
Yeah, I think that, that's kind of all of us. I, I always felt like when Tumblr finally came around, I was already in pretty deep with Max Sparky, and it didn't seem like the right fit for me because I, I did want more control than that. But I think it's a great entry level. I mean, I know like my daughter, who's in high school, a lot of her friends have Tumblr sites, and it's just a, a really easy, low-impact way to get in there. If you've got something you want to say and you don't want to, you don't want to deal with any of this stuff, set up a Tumblr site as a start, I, I think I, if I if I could wind back the clock and Tumblr existed when I started Max Markey, I think that's where it would have started. I don't know that it necessarily would have stayed there, but um, I think that's a really good solution. And as far as I know, that it's a free account. I mean, you can get in and get started pretty easy. And they also make it really easy to, you know, they have different types of posts rather than just here's words, you know. And they, so, and WordPress has added this now too, but. You know, it's really easy to say, I just want to post this video or I just want to post this photo or I want to post this link. And so they have these different formats. So as much as anything, that's what you see a lot on Tumblr is people posting different types of information rather than maybe just essays. Yeah. Yeah. But you can do essays as well. So for sure, it's you know, it is I think it's a really good solution. And it seems to me like it's a, a middle ground between something like I definitely think it's better than typing your stuff on a Facebook page or uh, if you've got something to say that's longer than a tweet, you know, I think it's it's really something worth considering. Uh, there's some other solutions that are coming out that I'm interested in. And one of them is uh, medium.com. F. Williams is behind that. That's the guy who created Blogger originally for, I guess, before it became part of Google. And he's talking about a new type of web publishing platform called Medium. And it's it's kind of being teased at us right now. I mean, it's not out yet. Um, but I'll put the link in the website medium. And, um, I think that, uh, I think it may be interesting. Have you guys played with this at all? No. Seen it. Yeah. It's not really clear what they're doing with it. It seems to me like it's going to be a little more, um, uh, visual, I guess, based on the stuff on the website. Uh, but you know, I just think this is an interesting time. P- people are starting to look beyond the the Squarespace slash WordPress type solution for publishing and come up with something new. And uh, I think we're going to have some fun with it. Another one that I think is interesting is Scriptogram. And I know, John, you had said you looked at that one. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned it as one of the possibilities, I, I set it up. It's it, What I really like about it is... You know, it links to Dropbox, and you compose in Dropbox. Speaking of text expander, you know, I quickly created a template for because you say here's the title, here's the date, here's the excerpt, whatever pieces you want. So I created a text expander snippet for it, and so I can just go in if I wanted to post it. And I've just been playing with it, but you know, I could go into Byword to this folder that I have that's connected to Scriptogram, type my text expander snippet, and I've got this template outlined, and I can just start typing you know, save it. The one thing I wish, I wish it was automatic published from there. You do have to go to the site and just say synchronize with my Dropbox folder. And then if it looks, so if any posts have been added or removed, but man, you talk about wanting a a streamless workflow for just getting words written and published. It's there. You can type in Markdown. It just, you know, it reads Markdown files. Um, It's, it's nifty. Yeah, and then that. when you start thinking about adding like Automator and some scripting to this on the the Mac end, you could really do something interesting. I haven't even really put all the pieces together yet, but like, let's say you wanted to privately, you know, have a private website or just something that you know any you know a URL that you keep to yourself, and you wanted to put tasks up there or something. I mean, you could 
there, I just think there's a lot you could do with something like scriptogram. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see where that goes as well. So, so that's, I guess we're going to stop there. We're already an hour and 10 minutes <laughs> on, on talking about, uh, you know, setting up your website. Uh, but I think there's a lot of solutions out there, no matter what you want to do. I don't think there's one, just one for anybody, but, um, at this point in the show, you should probably have a pretty good idea what fits for you. And I'd encourage people to go to the show notes and add comments if they feel like we missed their pet, you know, web, web publishing system, or if they think we missed a point on some of these. But I do think we should we should also finalize uh, finally just talk a little bit about social networks in relation to this type of publishing because another thing that's really arisen over the last several years is the idea that you don't put up a website, but instead you have a Facebook page or you have you know, your LinkedIn or your Twitter or your Google Plus account, or you have some basis of putting your face to the world without using, you know, your own necessarily publishing platform. David, how do you feel about Facebook pages? Well, you know, (laughs) I I said before we started the show, I'm not going to rant against Facebook. I mean, I know a lot of people who really like it. And I think for a lot of people, that is the appropriate solution. Um, When you've got your family all on a Facebook network and you just want to talk about, you know, going to see Sarah Singh, that's probably just fine. So I, I think it may be the the right solution in some instances. I mean, uh, I was, as soon as I knew the web existed and I could write something to it, all those things I said at the beginning of the show clicked in for me. I wanted to have my own newspaper. And so I knew I wanted to say something and I wanted to tell it to the world. Not everybody does. Some people just want to share things with their friends and family. And, you know, Facebook is a pretty good solution for that. You know, my own concerns aside about, you know, security and privacy. Um, but I don't think that is necessarily the wrong solution. Well, it, it really is um, microblogging to a select audience, assuming you've got it locked down correctly. I mean, one of the things I don't like about it, um, I almost ranted, I, I'm going to stop. <laughs> Well, I just, I think it's odd how there's certain people, because I go and look at my wife's Facebook account with her, and there's some people who make a completely fictitious version of themselves on it. (laughs) I guess if you're going to do it, be honest, at least. That would be one question, I would say. But that's not a problem with Facebook as much as just the whole culture of it. Well, and then... And I ranted. I'm sorry. Okay. You didn't go overboard. Yeah. And I don't... I don't know if you're ready to move on from Facebook. I would say, just to backtrack a little bit, that we should probably talk about Tumblr as a bridge between website and social network because it really kind of offers both. You know, you have a network of friends that you have on there. You know, it's more designed for quickly doing that. But it has a collaborative nature, too, where multiple people can post to the same Tumblr. But in, in a lot of ways, Tumblr is as much of a social network and maybe even more so a social network as it is a website publishing option. You know, it really blurs between the two. Yeah, that's a good point. And it is all, like you said, it is a gateway that gets you up to something bigger if you start getting into it. Uh, Google Plus. Okay, I, I put that kind of in the same category as Facebook. It's the same type of, of service. I know Google's very interested in getting involved in social networking, and this is uh, their big play. And it has a lot of the same features as Facebook. And, well, I'm probably the last person to compare them because I, I don't use either of them, really. But the... um. But, you know, you can have circles of friends and associates and you can post things there. And it, it gives you a nice way to get a face on the web and, and put information out there. I know there's some renowned bloggers and writers who have, have moved a lot of their content over to Google+. 
but I'm again not a fan of that. I want to own the words. I want to own the website. I don't want it to be part of something bigger. I agree. And then the last one for me, I mean, I can't keep up with yet another social network. I can barely keep up with Facebook as it is. But the one that I have managed to keep up with for whatever reason, and I, and I do, admit I don't post as prolifically as I used to, is Twitter. For some reason, that has that has clicked with me. And it, it really is a microblog. Yeah, me too. And, and maybe because it is a microblog, that's why that's why I can keep up with it because it's it's easy. I can I can dunk my head in the stream, see what people are up to, click on links that are interesting to me, save them off an Instapaper, and and type off a quick hundred and forty character post and and hop back out. Well, I mean that's it's really not it's really not building a website. It's it's a, it's it's true social network. I, and I, that's why I'm kind of a hypocrite because I really like Twitter and I make fun of Facebook. So am I really, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I think Twitter's great and I use it all the time. Although I'm also kind of getting concerned as the company starts to ratchet down and try and figure out how to make money on this thing. Yeah, and it's more conversational. I mean, that's how I use it as much as anything is dialogue with people. Yeah. Instagram's another one. People, a lot of people use that kind of as their face to the world because they just want to share pictures. And some people, you know, that's their whole social or web publishing center is Instagram. It's also worth, also worth tossing out. I know you don't have it in the outline in front of me, but app.net, which is really yeah, kind of the true. Twitter clone. I, I'm on that. I find I don't use it as much. I find mostly right now it's my nerdier friends, my power user, so to speak, friends that are in it. But it's it's worth a look. No, yeah, it's great. I, I like app.net. I, I'm still trying to figure out how to use it. Because, I mean, part of the reason, like, I'm not on Facebook, in addition to other concerns, is I don't want to sacrifice the kind of time it involves, you know, but, you know, responding to people and dealing with Facebook. And now I've got – Twitter was seemed like a really good fit for me, but now I've got two of these. And, like, mm-hmm. when I want to say something funny, do I put it on Twitter or do I put it on app.net or do I put it on both so my friends on both of them see the joke twice and think I'm a, uh, kind of a moron? So I don't even know what to do. <laughs> I'm still confused about that. But I think that's kind of beyond the scope of this show. Um, uh, John, thanks for coming in. Yeah, I, my I, pleasure. Uh, I really appreciate you coming in and, and explaining some of this WordPress stuff for us and and, and making the case because uh, if you hadn't been here, I wouldn't have done it justice. And uh, so, Katie, how do you find us? Well, you can find us on our website. That's at MacPowerUsers.com, currently a WordPress site. Uh, you can also find us on the 5x5 site over at 5x5.tv slash MPU. And we'll have links to everything that we talked about on our show. Yeah, you can also send us an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers or find us on Twitter uh, at MacPowerUsers and then both on app.net and Twitter. I'm at MacSparky and Katie's at Katie Floyd. Hey, John, what's your um, what's your Twitter handle? John Chandler, yeah. at John Chandler. And also go check out byjohnchandler.com where John writes about his geeky things. And uh, it's a great website, I suspect, built with WordPress. It is built with WordPress. That and, is correct. And it looks beautiful. <laughs> it looks beautiful. I, I really enjoy reading the stuff John has to say. And um, and we have a Facebook page, too, which uh, I have no idea how to get there. <laughs> it's uh, facebook.com slash MacPowerUsers. Oh, see, that that's not so hard, <laughs> is it? It's not very hard at all. <laughs> uh, everybody, thanks for uh, listening. Uh, thanks to Smile for exclusively sponsoring this show with their great products like Text Expander and PDF Pin. And, John, thank you for coming in. Hey, I've been I've been listening to you since episode one, so I'm glad oh, I wow. can 
be part of it. Yeah, and uh, I just love everything John does, and everybody go check out his website. And we will see you next week with a workflow show. Until then, have a great week. And don't forget, um, a couple last points here. Macworld is at the end of the month. Uh, Katie and I are going to be there. Watch both of our websites. We're going to post where we're going to be. We'd love you to come up and say hello to us. This is our one chance to hang out with nerds. And if you don't see us and don't come up and say hello, shame on you. And uh, the second thing is the Saturday before Macworld, Adam uh, Christensen and I are doing a thing at Disneyland here in Anaheim. And it's called DisneyMacGeeks.com. Go check it out. If you're in Southern California before you go to Macworld, uh, we're going to have a big meetup at Disneyland. It's going to be a lot of fun. So everybody, thanks a lot. See you next time.